Hello, this is Nilla Varman and you're listening to The Nilla Extract, the official show where I talk about pressing issues such as body acceptance, mental health, climate change, race and so much more, with some pretty cool music and some pretty cool guests too. Hello, my name is Nilla Varman and welcome back to The Nilla Extract. Thank you so much for being here and oh my gosh, can you believe it because I genuinely can't. Welcome to our 30th show. Woo! Yay! I don't know, I'll insert some sound effect there. Ooh. But oh lord, it's been almost a year of the Nilla extract, now that I think about it. But I, I don't really want to think about that so soon, because I'm just going to get emotional. But um, thank you for 30 weeks. Oh my god. Uh, I've enjoyed every minute of it. You know, every chair swivel and panic when I'm jamming out to a song for too long and I've forgotten to go and talk in the mic again. I mean, I, I, w- I will, however, I will say this, I will never forget or miss how hot it always, always was in that recording studio. There are no vents in there, no windows, which makes sense, but there is no air supply because by the end of my show I'm usually drenched in sweat and I'd feel like I've, I've just run a marathon just by talking for an hour and I'm all sticky and gross and I just want to lie down and feel sad but aside from that it's been amazing so far and I hope that I can only keep growing more and help more of you feel more heard and more powerful and oh it's been amazing but yeah how has everyone been this week I've been all right, just chugging along, a um, bit bit homesick this week, missing the family. I haven't seen my parents in a year, so it's been a bit rough. But um, yeah, just chugging along, still in denial sometimes that Michael B. Jordan and Harry Styles are no longer single, but hey, we move, <laughs> we move, uh, despite these being first world problems um, and everyday challenges. And, uh, you know, one day I hope that they'll both run into me at a cafe and go, Oh, Nilla, you're not like those other girls in a true Wattpad fan fiction fashion. But in all serious, uh, seriousness, uh, I know that I'm fine, but I know other parts of the world aren't right now. And um, I do have to mention the situation in Afghanistan has been absolutely heartbreaking this week. Um, as it has been for the last 20 years, um, it's just they've just gotten somewhere you know and it's just really heartbreaking to think that so many women and so many girls are going to be ugh. um but yeah it's really really hard watching it on the news and watching it unfold on social media and it's been really hard not being able to do anything from here but i please please urge you to all you know spread awareness and write to your MPs and donate to various emergency relief funds and charities because someone somewhere will really, really need it. And now you're probably thinking on a cheery note, right? Nilla, you talented takali, which means tomato in Tamil, by the way. Why have you made a spelling mistake in your show title this week? And some of you pointed this out to me and I'm well aware, but badum plot twist it isn't a spelling mistake you guys it's a pun thing the word race which is what we're going to talk about today is popped in the place of the word erase Uh clever because in my opinion i can say that racism and microaggressions do attempt to erase and 
dismiss an individual's experiences as a person of colour, um, which I am, uh, if you didn't know already. And nobody has the right to do so. So yeah, our 30th show is called Don't Erase Me. And we're going to be talking about all things race and racism and having that conversation with loved ones, my experiences, racial gaslighting, bystanderism. Is that is that a thing? Just being a bystander to racial incidents, racist incidents, I guess. And how to be a better ally. So yeah, but gosh, gosh. Speaking of microaggressions and racial gaslighting, this week on Instagram for me has been absolutely so weird. Like, I'd post something um, to try and help people, and I'd get some random people, like trolls, coming on and being racist and telling me to go die and let other people die and tell me I'm a fraud and some racist things which I don't wish to repeat on here. But I did respond to a few of these trolls, which means I did lose already. But Gosh, there were people gaslighting me on my post about gaslighting, which I found really funny, but I'm not going to let it get me down, you know what I'm saying? But yeah, these conversations about race and racism are so, so important to have. And I feel like I've avoided them in the past because of various things, which I'll explain, obviously. Um, But I think as I grew older, um, you know, I realised the importance of not staying silent, even if you love that person. And even if that person is your friend or your family member or your cousin or your dog's friend's owner. So, you know, you got to put a foot down and never stay silent. So I will issue a trigger warning now. I mean, I won't be discussing anything very intense, but I will be talking about some of my experiences with racism. And if that's something that you may find triggering at the moment, that is completely understandable. And this episode will be here for you when you need it. Now, I didn't realise how important it was um, to remind your friends to, you know, check the privilege and not to really be a shit friend until a few years ago, I think. I don't even know that, I would ever have an experience where someone wasn't supporting me in 2021 when another is being blatantly racist to my face. Uh, To be fair with you, this incident happened in 2019, so... But I only realised this when I did experience um, some racism. And, well, this person who was meant to be a very close friend of mine um, just made excuses for the racist. And I'm not sure is there a is there a term for that is it is it like a is it a racial apologist racist apologist race apologist racy just an apology just a poo I, I don't know but basically I was at my lecture and uh, this racist pal was talking about a rebellious friend that he had at school and how racist they were or something uh coincidentally uh and um, we had a new professor that walked in because, like, it was a new year. I think it was the start of second year, all new modules. And it just happened that my lecturer was a brown man. And I, th- I think he was uh, South in Sorry, he was South Asian. He was Indian, I think. But anyway, I was really, really excited because, like, I'd never seen a person of colour in our whole department. And I was telling my friends, like, oh, my gosh, so nice to see someone from a different community and someone who looks like me lecturing us because I swear I haven't seen anyone in our department, who's a person of colour. And uh, one of my, the well, the quote-unquote racist friend said, oh, well, is, well, like, isn't that your dad then? And I was like, eh? And he was like, oh, yeah, because you all look the same, don't you? And I was like, no, what, what the hell? <laughs> like, I just looked at him in shock. And I was like, just because 
he's Indian and I'm Indian doesn't mean we look the same and doesn't mean he's my dad. Like, I, I don't really understand what you're implying here. Um, and he said, oh, sorry. Like, this is where he gets shocking. He said, oh, sorry. Was that too racist for you? And I was like, yes. Yes, that was too racist for me. <laughs> and then he just thought, oh, yeah, yeah, sorry. And his excuse was something like, oh, I was just, when I said it, I was thinking about my racist friend, um, that's why I was racist and it slipped out. What the actual fuck does that mean? What does that mean? I was thinking about my other racist friend and so my mind was moulded in the shape of theirs and thus I was racist towards you. Honestly, I was so shocked. Um, but meanwhile, uh, the bystander friend who was, well, bystanding, um, well, I looked at him for support because I was honestly so shocked and... In a moment of shock, I I know I always talk about how to stand up for yourself, but I, I just couldn't. And uh, he just said, no, Nilla, he's just joking. He's just not very good at communicating. And I was like, but he's just been racist. And he was just like, yeah, yeah, he didn't mean it. It was just a joke. It's not racist, is it, if it's a joke? And I was like, oh, I'd never been so disappointed in my life in that person. And I haven't even confronted that person yet because I don't know. I don't know why I haven't done it. Um, I was making a lot of excuses for this person. Maybe I will. Maybe I will um, talk to them about it. But anyway, I let the person, the racist person, know that what they said was blatantly racist and that I found it offensive. And he kept saying sorry and blaming it on his friend, which, again, still doesn't make sense to me. Just sounded like a bit of a Karen-worthy excuse. But yeah, later in the lecture, I whispered to my other friend, like, oh, my God, the professor's accent's so cool. I think he's from Canada and I've always wanted to go there. And uh, then the racist pal was sitting next to me um, and he overheard and he was like, oh, you're being racist, aren't you? And I was like, no, I literally just said his accent sounded cool and I really want to go to Canada. I wasn't discriminating him anyway. I wasn't making fun of him or diminishing his experiences as a person of colour. And he was like, oh, yeah, but that's racist, isn't it? Because he said his accent's cool. And I was like, what? What's going on? And then he said, oh, you're racist too. You can't call me a racist when you're racist. I don't know. I don't know. Um, I was just in shock. And I was like, just because I called you racist earlier doesn't mean uh, you call me one back. I don't know how that works. But I don't even know if that's like a form of gaslighting. But anyway, I felt absolutely fucking crazy afterwards. Maybe it was gaslighting. It made me feel crazy. I was doubting everything. Um, even though I just said, oh my God, he's from Canada. That's so cool. I really want to go there. What? What? What, 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 I don't, what, I don't even, I mean, uh, uh, uh. But anyway, that's just a little teaser into the stuff we're going to be talking about today. And yeah, I know that was a bit deep and a bit raw, but it needs to be said, you know. And I think in a way, for me, it will be a lot more freeing to talk about these experiences. So yeah, here I am, live in my bedroom at the Nilla Extract, where I will try to challenge many socially pressing and relevant issues that aren't really talked about much. And as I'm broadcasting from home, please do excuse any fart noises in the background, crinkle pops and all that jazz and onomatopoeia. Um, and as usual, this episode will have some uncontainable weirdness of some sort, uh, a funky segment, maybe more. And yeah, I'll see you after the break. No, stanotte amore non ho più pensato a te, 
Ho aperto gli occhi per guardare intorno a me E intorno a me girava il mondo come sempre Gira il mondo, gira nello spazio senza fine Con gli amori appena nati, con gli amori già finiti Con la gioia e col dolore della gente come me Soltanto adesso io ti guardo, nel tuo silenzio io mi perdo e sono niente accanto a te. Welcome back. Um, I hope you enjoyed that really, really tiny break. Um, but yeah, I hope the break was good. <sighs> if you're thinking that I sound a little bit airy or kind of a little bit distant, it's because I'm not actually using my mic today. I did a bit of a a bit of a silly thing about two weeks ago wherein my laptop fell off the table and smashed. Meaning that I can't use and that kind of sucked, um, but hey, we adapt and move on. And currently, I've adapted so much so that I'm just lying in bed. So yeah, if I sound a bit too relaxed, it's because it's late and I'm sleepy. <laughs> um, but yes, race, racism, both very important things. Um, as I was talking to you guys about earlier, Having that conversation about racism is so, 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 so important. And I can't emphasise to you how important it is. Especially with all these movements coming. Finally, you know, people are talking about certain issues that haven't really been spoken about for a long, long time. And this can only mean that, you know, 
times are changing and I think we got to change with it, you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? But anyway, part of being an ally, in my opinion, is calling out uh, problematic behaviour, whether that be a friend or a relative or a teacher, a client, colleague, peer, um, or even a romantic partner. Um, It's really, really hard to do it but it's important. And for those who don't know, I'm in an interracial relationship. It is the first relationship I've ever been in, and it is the first interracial relationship I've ever been in. That is a bit of a mouthful, isn't it? Interracial relationship. Interracial relationship. I don't know how I feel about that. But yeah, this is the first relationship I'm in with a man of ginger and white variety. And you know, it's been interesting because nobody really prepared me for it. I mean, it's it's definitely, you know, not what you see on TV for sure. There's no guide to what to expect, if I'm honest. But yeah, being in an interracial relationship myself, I know that support from your partner when you're in a racist situation is really, really important. And, you know, that support can come in various different ways. My experience so far being a brown woman dating a white man has been varied. You know, I get the stares in public if I'm ever holding my boyfriend's hand. People just like, they don't, you know, they just look at you wherever you are. Um, Sometimes it's just like, oh, what? Could be just because I'm quite short compared to my boyfriend. But, you know, but sometimes I do get the stare and the stare is like the most judgiest thing ever and it most of the time it comes from Karen's and old white men but um gosh I think I first noticed it when I went out to like I don't know I think it was town and we were getting some Greg's and so my my boyfriend went inside to the queue because it was only like a few people in at a time because of COVID stuff and I stood outside and I was like oh thanks love you lots because he was paying or something um and this rando who was standing outside greg's just went like oh did you run out of people of your own kind to love then couldn't find any more brownies or something like that and i was like uh uh this is scary um but yeah i mean that's the only proper racist thing that someone said to me about my relationship the rest of it has just been stares really like if I ever go and visit my boyfriend's family in the village where he lives, I'm, I don't know, I think I'm the only person of colour there. So when I'm walking the dog with him, people always give me the look. And they're just like, what the hell is she doing? What What, what is this person doing with a white man kind of look? And maybe they're not even giving you that look, but every look just becomes that look. And... um I think the day when I noticed it the most was when we went to a beach day trip and we were at a pub um, waiting for our train. We were just going to have dinner. And like the seating was so that my bench was facing another table kind of thing. And the lady from that table, like we could see each other. uh, And she kept looking at me and pointing at me and whispering about me. And I felt so uncomfortable and I kept telling my boyfriend, like, she's looking at me, I don't understand, like, I'd be eating or I'd say something and she'd just look at me and we'd make eye contact every time and I'd smile and she'd just give me the most meanest stare back and she'd, like, point at me and whisper about, like, like, look, she'd point at me 
And then she'd whisper to the lady sitting next to her. Um, and I was just like, like, she's staring at me, she's staring at me. And I think that this was, you know, the first time I'd really brought the whole stare thing to my boyfriend up because I've got the stare even at Tesco, you know, I don't really bring it up that often. But I said, like, she's staring at me weird. And, you know, my boyfriend is a very understanding person. He's very, very, um, under like, compassionate. And he, he always wants to integrate himself with parts of my culture. And he's always been very open. But in that situation, he didn't do anything. Um, you know, like, I don't know what I expected him to do. But I just felt so uncomfortable. And I didn't understand what was going on. And I could feel the lady's eyes on my back the entire time um and I'm pretty sure I heard like certain words but I could be wrong I could have been paranoid but of course I got the stares I think that was when we first started talking about the complications of what it's like to be in a relationship with two people of different races you know we are going to get those looks and questions sometimes um you know like oh um you know are you sure or do his family mind like it's a bit it's a bit weird but um I think why I'm emphasizing how important that conversation is is that sometimes you might not get that support that you're looking for and the conversation that follows might be a little bit awkward but that's no reason to stay silent Hmm. and you know I I learned that through my own experience you know, I had a little bump in my relationship at one point where now this incident really, really traumatised me a little bit. I went to a friend's house for dinner with my boyfriend and we were watching cricket in their living room and there was one more guy there, uh, also one of my friends. And the evening was going really nicely. You know, this person was a very nice host. It was going fine. And then they started to be blatantly racist, um, you know, imitating the Indian players and putting on a really racist and offensive Indian accent and constantly being racist. And my boyfriend was sitting right next to me and I messaged him like, I feel so uncomfortable. So-and-so is being so racist. He's, I, I feel, I feel sick. Like, I feel so uncomfortable. And, you know, you'd probably ask me like, Nilla, why didn't you just then and there just stand up and be like stop it you're being racist it's because I think when you're actually in that situation there's loads of things that come into consideration number one is like will it be worth my safety if I confront this person and yeah it probably should have been fine but I've known this person as someone who sometimes you know gets a bit angry and I was suddenly scared like what if I confronted this person and they got defensive and then for some reason, I felt very inferior because I was the only brown girl there. I was the only brown, well, I was the only girl there, but I was only the only brown person there in a room full of white men. And suddenly I just felt so small. And that's when I kind of wanted my boyfriend to step up and be like, what you're doing is wrong or something. I mean, this was the first time that the host had really met my boyfriend properly. Um, So you know, I, I don't, I guess it was weird for him in a way, but this guy was being racist throughout the entire evening. And so, yeah, I kept texting my boyfriend being like, oh my gosh, I feel awful. Like he's being so racist. I don't know what to do. And I think in my head, I kind of expected him to say, are you like verbally say, are you okay? Or do you feel uncomfortable? Would you like to leave? Um, 
and you know my boyfriend was scheduled to leave early because he had another commitment and I thought okay fine he's gonna leave he's gonna ask me to come with him make up an excuse or something but he left me there um he left even though I you know very very strongly said I am uncomfortable this person is being so racist right now I cannot cope um but my boyfriend left and these two people continued to be racist for the rest of the evening until I left um and I felt so uncomfortable and upset and it took me like two weeks to confront this individual but anyway I was absolutely fuming and just disappointed with my boyfriend because you know we've had so many conversations about how important my race like my identity is to me and how important his support is and how important it is to show up um for someone and he was very 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 understanding and you know kudos to him he wanted to talk about it and he knew what he did was a mistake then and there um you know he apologized and wanted to talk about it more and we've normalized that conversation now because that was like a turning point for me because i found that talking about my experiences as a brown woman and kind of normalizing that conversation about race and what to do in a situation made us into a stronger team um because i just felt very let down and disappointed and as though maybe he was embarrassed of me or something like that and i love my boyfriend it made us into a stronger team but you know as a brown person i don't i think i said brown brown um but yeah as a brown person you know i also at the same time just felt really tired and stupid for having that conversation i think it's because it sounds dumb but i already expected him to know all this because he's been dating a brown girl for like a year and a half at that time and you know, it's not like I haven't told him about racial discrimination faced by me in the past. So I was surprised that when it actually came to it, nothing happened. Um, and I think I felt exhausted because I had to, you know, I was already really, really upset from that evening and just genuinely very confused on what to do because this person was a close friend to me. And I didn't know how to confront them at all. And on top of that, I had to have a conversation where I had to explain every little bit of why that was wrong and what should have been done. And I think, you know, it's good to have that conversation. And I realised that later because it made me understand what to do next and made me know what cues to give. And, you know, my boyfriend accepted that he was in the wrong and, he, you know, all that jazz. But... I think as a POC and as a, someone from a marginalised community, to, to anyone who's not a POC, no margin, member of the marginalised communities have any duty or obligation to educate you. You need to go and do the work and do the research and ask questions. And that I made that very, very clear to my boyfriend. I said, you know, I've told you all this stuff and we've had such a massive conversation slash little argument and all that jazz um, about this. But you need to go put in the work because I'm not going to keep educating you about this. I've told you what's wrong. You now need to make me feel comfortable. And, you know, I always encourage questions because we're all still learning. So, yeah, having that conversation is so hard, but it's so important because, you know, I know my boyfriend. I know he's not defensive. I know he's cooperative and he likes to listen and learn. And if he doesn't agree with something, he'll tell me. But 
oh, you had nothing to worry about. He was so warm and kind and loving and helped me through that because this that incident still affects me now. Um, a few months on, I still think about it every time, uh, every few weeks, and it's really silly, but it really, really hurt my feelings. Um, but the thing is, you know, sometimes there are cases, unfortunately, where people aren't as cooperative and understanding and can be defensive or flippant. And, you know, if you are already feeling compelled to have that conversation where you're not feeling that support from your partner, that might just be a whole separate conversation from race. You know, that's just a partner who's not supporting you. And I'm not an expert on relationships at all. Please, like, understand that I I know fuck all. I am learning every day. But I think sometimes it's okay to let go. And it's okay to make that boundary for yourself because you need someone who understands you and loves you for you and gives you that time of day to talk about your story. And yeah, so, you know, don't be a bystander. (laughs) Show up for your partner, you know, listen to your partner's experiences and understand and ask loads of questions. And again, don't expect anyone from marginalised communities to feel obliged to give you an education because you need to do the work. You need to do the reading, you know, watch a TED talk, listen to a podcast, read a book. You know, it's not that hard. Um, Oh, yeah. And show up for them. Don't be a bystander. And most importantly, don't gaslight because gaslight just gaslighting sucks. Okay, if your partner's telling you about their experience, please don't make them feel stupid. I mean, for those who don't know, gaslighting minimizes and undermines a person's experiences um, thoughts and feelings through like methods of aversion, denial, role reversals, and a lot of people, you know, they exploit stereotypes and vulnerabilities related to all sorts of things. So, yeah, racial gaslighting in a way is emotional abuse. I guess it's, it manipulates people and makes you doubt your own story. Um, you know, I could give you some examples. I think that might be helpful. But yeah, don't gaslight your partner. You know, show up for them, make them feel heard. And I think that's really, really important. And I think that would make, you know, anyone into a better ally. I don't think that just applies to people in a relationship. I think just as a friend, just being a better ally and applying these things. And for those who don't know if they are in a situation where, oh my God, did you hear that voice crack? I was like, if they are. But if you don't know, if you're in a situation where you're being racially gaslighted, it might sound like, you know, dash people are racist too. Kind of like what, that racist friend said to me uh, when I was in my lecture, like, oh, you're racist too, or something. Or they could say, oh, you're remembering incorrectly and change the subject. Or they could say, I'm not racist, but dot, 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 dot. They could say the typical, all lives matter, don't fight hate with hate. Or I was only joking, or they were only joking. You're exaggerating. Why do you make things about race? I don't see colour. Racism doesn't exist anymore. Everyone's entitled to their own opinion. All of those are forms of uh, racial gaslighting. And these can have major, major effects on people, you know, because they're meant to provoke uncertainty and self-doubt, which is really, really harmful to a victim's mental health. So... If you are being gaslit, you know, it causes anxiety, depression, PTSD, you know, it it sucks, man. It sucks. But to those who have been racially gaslighted and you're confiding in someone and to the person who is being confided to, if that makes sense, 
what you can do is listen you know ensure that you offer support and empathy and don't question a person's lived experiences of racism and uh, speak up you know use your voice and stand up for those who are being affected don't be a bystander again I say that again and again because it's so important call it out and be an ally to those who have suffered from racism and, and and you know the forms that it manifests in and also importantly learn ensure that you offer that support and empathy and don't question a person's lived experiences you know, you can also do a bit of reflecting now that I think about it, because that comes uh, under the whole allyship, 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 I don't know, um, spectrum. And I think it's really, really good to reflect and recognise if you have any internal defensive responses to racism yourself. You know, if someone's saying, oh, you're racially gaslighting me, it's, it's, it's a really good thing to just reflect instead of, you know, being flippant or defensive. And again, listen, if someone who, you know, is a PSA shares their experiences of racism with you learn and listen carefully to what they have to say and acknowledge those feelings for those who are in a situation where someone's being racist and you don't know what to do and you freeze like me because honestly when the situation comes to it you want to just you freeze and I'm I'm like that I'm such an outspoken person but when it came to someone continuously being racist for like hours I don't know what the fuck to do. I realise I've sweared many times on today's show, but hey-ho. But yeah, pick your battles, you know, will confronting this person put you in harm's way? Will they be willing to listen? Um, You know, again, it's okay to walk the other way and tell family, tell friends what you've experienced. You know, you can keep a journal, whatever helps you and just stay strong. So yeah i know that was a lot to listen to so uh, we're gonna have a quick break and uh, you better go empty your bladders do whatever you do when you listen to my shows i'm generally curious like what does everyone do when you listen to my shows like i know i listen to podcasts and radio shows when i cook um or go on a walk or sometimes in the shower if i'm having like a bubble bath but what do you guys do like genuinely i'm very very curious i think i might put a Put a little questionnaire up, actually. But yeah, more to come after the break. See you then. back in all honesty with you i took a pretty long break for some reason i just i don't know i was just scrolling through netflix and then i ended up watching like three episodes of downton though i finished it last year but yeah that was fun i relived the wedding of mrs hughes and mr carson and it was wholesome um but yeah (laughs) i hope um i hope something that i've said so far resonated with you um I wanted to talk about having that conversation about race and racism with your friends and family because it is different. Um, You know, it can be awkward and I totally understand that because, you know, there's not one tactic fits all approach to having these difficult conversations with family members. And I think it's really, really important to first personally understand why you want to have this conversation and what you're trying to communicate 
with your family and you know this is this advice isn't necessarily for pocs this is you know white people talk to your white family members and white colleagues and and whatever but you have to remember that you know learning about anything only happens when we're uncomfortable sometimes i mean most of my episodes are freaking uncomfortable and they put people in a weird place but you know we learn we learn through these uncomfy experiences i speak to so many amazing guests and i learn about their experiences and i relate through that and i you know i understand what they're going through so you know that that it's very very important that we actively commit to doing the work to support the learning and the growth of our white friends especially those who are you know engaging themselves in learning how to be anti-racist i mean there's so many books that people can read you know there's a fantastic book by dr abram x kendi um you know there's there's terrific books that i really really recommend um but yeah i mean it's very very important to keep going even during that kind of level of discomfort which is bound to happen you know some people are so so used to privilege that equality kind of feels like oppression i know it sounds silly but you know definitely it'll be weird but it requires getting comfortable with discomfort and um you know before you do jump into a conversation about racism and privilege it is important to educate yourself on these topics it's important to do that background research it's important to read that book so that you can be more fully versed with the ideas that you're attempting to get across and that's so 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 important um you know that discomfort as well it's it's very much a like a jumping off point and i think it's very very important to also ask questions and listen actively and use narratives as well um when you're having these conversations but i think a lot of people what they get wrong when they are trying to have these conversations with people is like being performative um with this whole woke kind of thing like performative activism i mean a simple example would be <sighs> leah michelle um you might know her from glee as rachel berry um when everything with george floyd was happening and there was a massive uprising she posted like this thing like oh you know i stand against racism and la 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 and so many people came out and spoke about how she had been a racist to many people and been racially discriminatory to many cast members and stuff um literally her whole like performing career and it shocked many people but you know there's that's called performative allyship you know she needs to go learn and whatever i don't want to comment on that too much but yeah and you know when you do have these conversations it is very easy to shame others and be defensive and i think that is not okay i think it's never okay to excuse someone's problematic behavior just because you love them um but yeah i think it's very very important to just be like you know got to check your privilege got to have a look have a reflect have a talk with people now we're brought up with a lot of biases and sometimes they're really embedded and they're even unconscious but just because of that don't let it seep through conversations you know you may be coming across people who do have these unconscious biases 
but it's very, very um, easy to get it confused with that, so <laughs> stick to your ground. Um, what I find is I often get scared of people getting defensive when I talk to people about racism, and I think it's very important to find a sort of common ground. You know, there's always the people who go like, my life was hard too, my white life was hard too, you know, which which to me translates to my white privilege does not mean your life was hard, it means that your race is not one of the things that makes it hard, you know what I mean? Like, it's like someone saying like, all lives matter, I mean, oh, like we know other lives matter, I just, just want to scream, but you know, even when you'll have someone definitely seeing like I don't see color, and that's amazingly offensive to people of color because you you're literally reducing major parts of my characteristics and identity and culture to nothingness. I'm not invisible, you know. Hence the title. Don't erase me. So yeah, definitely be prepared for these types of microaggressions and rebuttals, and you know, there's various ways that you can talk to people and um, try to, I don't know, come up with a sort of a creative comeback per se. Um, But I do understand, like, in the moment, it can be very, very difficult. And, you know, it's just weird. Like, as I said, when I've been in racist situations, I've always been quite intimidated and just been like, hmm do I respond like you know first I pick my battles you know I consider possibilities of physical danger defensive behavior my relationship with the person or if saying nothing will mean that I allow that comment um and then I kind of just take a breath and respond sometimes that's just simple as going like could you say how or what you mean by that or how have you come to think that um or like, you know, I notice you say this, I used to say this too, but then I learned. I mean, these are all common, like, responses when people are being a bit racist and microaggression-y. Another thing that I'd recommend saying is something like, you know, you may have not realised, but when you, or like, insert behaviour, it was hurtful and offensive because, you know. Um, you could also say, you know, instead you could use different a different language. I mean, is it really worth responding immediately you know is not being cooperative defensive not letting you speak do you need some time to think again it's okay to walk away and it's really really hard um I I know it's hard to walk away and I struggled with that too like I could argue with trolls for ages but it never comes to good use sometimes it's just okay to leave it be um yeah You know, I know that was a lot, but it is really, really important to have this conversation. I mean, teach friends, teach your kids of what to do when these situations arise. Like, do you know what? The first time I actually felt threatened for my life 
in um, a racially discriminatory situation was I was getting off the National Express in Nottingham. Uh, I was in a very public area. I went into Tesco to get some food because I'd just come back from a holiday or something and I needed some stuff to put in the fridge. So there's a weeny little Tesco and I went in there and I came out of my shopping and I was making my way to the taxi bay. Again, there were so many people because this was in the middle of town. And suddenly this man started running towards me, like literally bolting. And he looked very disheveled and he was just yelling at me and saying all these racist slurs at me and telling me how I'm a terrorist and he's going to come and kill my family if I don't leave and and whatever. Um, and then some people like from the side like I was really scared that no one was gonna say anything um because I don't know I didn't know what to expect and I was immediately scared for my life like I don't know if this man had like weapons or whatever I I didn't even say anything I just kept walking and he literally like I could feel his breath on my neck it was fucking terrifying and then these these white dudes on the side were like oh mate no no can't do that can't say that you know go away and I was like, oh my God. And then they, they, this guy just ran off. And then he came back again. <laughs> he came back again. He came running down and started saying all sorts of stuff all over again until a security guard from Tesco threatened to call the police. And I think that was the first time I've really had a proper racist incident. I remember calling my mum in the taxi just being like, I don't know what the hell just happened, but this is just what happened. I didn't know what to do. I never want to go through that ever again. Um, but I think it is very, very important to have those conversations, you know, with your children, like how my parents did with mine to kind of like keep your cool and like in those situations, really assess if you're okay and all that jazz. But on a cheerier note, during this little break while I was watching Downton, I was thinking about some of the odd questions I get asked at uni. You know, they're always laced with stereotypes and uh, let's say unconscious biases and whatnot and just racism. But, you know, some common questions I get asked is like, you know, oh, where are you from, from? That's all typical. And there's always like, oh, do you have curry in your blood? Like, What does that even mean? Does curry run in my blood? I, I'm not say positive, hun. Um, sometimes I'll get like, oh, yeah, so does your dad like, is he a taxi driver or does he run a convenience store or like an off-license? And I'm like, oh, stereotypes. They're exhausting. <laughs> um... But yeah, I know that was a lot of information to digest, but I really, really do encourage you to keep learning and keep teaching and keep spreading awareness because it's so, so important to literally abolish and destroy racism. It'll be slow, but we need to change people's minds and (sighs) we need to be anti-racist because it's fucking exhausting. So... Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode, and I guess I'll say goodbye to you all. I hope you have a lovely week ahead. Good night.